0: You're either either on the bus or you're off the bus.
1: Welcome aboard, episode 23 of Ride the Bus, the official I Am A Wild podcast is on the way, presented by Explore Minnesota. I'm Ben Gisleson, he's Joey Goldstein, this is episode 23, and thanks for joining us as we continue the summer months of the offseason, creeping closer and closer and closer and over. starting to feel really close over, <laughs> yeah. to, to the drop <laughs> of the puck uh, for not only the preseason, but the regular season for the Iowa Wild. Uh, but the fair is over, which really... I look at it—we've we, talked about this. People could rewind and listen to different mm-hmm. episodes and, and hear us talk about this. There are checkpoints to the offseason. July 4th is one for me. There's the free agency that comes along with that, but also just our nation's holiday. The fair is another one, yep. and we're beyond both of those checkpoints now. So there aren't really many checkpoints left except for the season starting now. Yeah, Life's,
2: things are about to get real they're going to get real and they're going to get real real fast um, but it's exciting this just means that like the next big thing is players hitting the ice which yep. is i mean we've you wait the 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 off season just feels so long sometimes and um i'm just i'm just ready to to get i saw a meme the other day it was like uh it was a taylor swift thing and it, it's the one like, she's holding up a sign, it's like, Are you okay? And then someone's belonging, it's like, No, I miss hockey. <laughs> and I was like, That's just how I feel in a nutshell. I think that's how, hockey, how, how all hockey fans feel in a nutshell right now. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to just get back into the swing of things.
1: My wife said to me the other night, We were, you know, one of the great things that I think people joke about, married couples argue over is, What are you going to watch? On a given night, right? That's mm-hmm. something that comes up a lot, and she goes, "I wouldn't just, know, but I yeah. just, I just can't, <laughs> I just, I just can't wait until hockey's back." And then there's, there's no, there's no discussions. It's just, there's, let's go find a hockey game, yeah, right. So I'm right there with you. Uh, it's also a good sign that means that we've done the off season right because yep. one, it means we've took enough time to recharge and our mm-hmm. batteries are ready to go. Two, it also means that even though we will inevitably scramble to get the season ready because that's what happens every time, every but it also year. means that as of right now, you and I are looking at our to-do list and going, well, I didn't play too much golf in the first you know, two months of the offseason either. I, yeah. I kept the, the ball rolling down the hill because yep. otherwise I would – You'd see more panic on my face right now if I was feeling like I hadn't done anything. Because as we talked about, you got to chip away. You can't just completely piece out and say, yep. "See you in August." So i I'm 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 happy. I'm excited. I'm recharged, and I am very much um, really looking forward to this season. And I hope that's evident in today's podcast. Yeah, it's yeah. just
2: one of those like. It's like uh, I feel like it's we're kind of at that time of the year where everything on the surface is is nice. It's like the the duck metaphor, right? <laughs> everything on the surface yeah. is fine. The duck's just kind of coasting, but underneath just kicking, just kicking away and and that's kind of how I feel like uh at where I'm at in the off season currently. It's just like on the surface we're good, but inside we're just we're just churning and ideas Grinding. are rolling and and you're already thinking about so many different things. I got Thoughts in my mind that I really don't even have to worry about till January, and it's just there's always something, so it just kind of comes with the territory. But that's that's the fun part. That means we're getting closer.
1: Promo schedule's out. We're going to talk about that actually at the tail end of our podcast because, as we promised last week at the Faircast, we have a lengthy episode today with a guest who deserved every minute that we gave him. We could have gone for even longer. He was
2: right. We it absolutely could have been a three, four part thing, and we really didn't like. We didn't touch a lot on the nuances of his day-to-day and, and what he does. So that should be something that we look into at some point down the line. But, yeah, having uh, having Shaky on as our guest was, was. – a treat. Super.
1: And you will enjoy it immensely. Uh, I, I can't wait to get it to all of you. But before we get there, uh, we do want to officially put to bed the fair and uh, and not talk too much about a certain day and a certain man who had a certain successful throw. Uh, I wouldn't want talk has, about that. You know, you're right. We should talk about it. Uh, but it was already hard enough to get you through the door with your head that's ballooned up since yeah. you took home a blue ribbon. I did. Um, but... So the, the, the video has come out. Marquise did a great job with that. It was an awesome video. But what we weren't able to capture on the video <laughs> the was aftermath. the <laughs> aftermath of this whole thing, which really, to me, is the most intrepid part of this whole story, is this was not go to cow chip tournament, win cow chip tournament, get a blue ribbon slapped on your chest, and then go home. Yeah. No, 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 uh-huh. no, no. This has played out into the weekend. Yeah. so fill us in on on all that and I'll chime in as as we get through it but yeah all that came about after you made that historic throw
2: yeah well, almost historic I was about forty feet shy of the world record which i i've i think i've if you haven't gone to see the video yet <laughs> go watch the video or else none of this is gonna make sense but I remember after after I made the throw I was doing the interview and this didn't make the video because it was pretty lengthy as it is but I was doing an interview with uh, WHO 13, and the guy was like, "So, what's next?" As if I was like, "I just won the Super Bowl." Like, "What's next?" I'm going to Disney World. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was just, I was just busting his balls, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't know. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to my family and weigh my options. It's like I could come back and." And and defend my title, or maybe I just you know do what Peyton Manning did and and retire into the sunset. So I was like, but we'll have to see. We'll have to take some time and really think about it. Um, I I gotta go back and defend my title, but I that world record is that is within reach, and I should be able to get that. I think I can Heard get it that here first. Um, the biggest problem is that there's trees in the way uh, where where you're throwing. But I don't. Nevertheless, yeah. After. We were just kind of at that point, we were pretty much done filming. We had one little piece left to do, and uh, just kind of walking around. We were going to get our pork chop on a stick, and uh, as good as advertised, yeah, very it good. was great, very it good. Was great. Um, we're going to get our pork chop on the stick, and uh, just a couple people, they're just like, Hey, you're the guy who just threw it in the street, thought, that the cow chip you. guy, that was didn't you just that you just won, right? That's like great, congrats. And are we, were we weren't far from where the contest had just happened, so. Didn't think anything. That of wasn't it. that out of the ordinary at the no. time. I
1: mean, it was still kind of like, wow, you're getting recognized. This is yeah. hilarious. Ha ha. Then it then it took off. <laughs> then <laughs> it took off. We very ripple of the water of the splash that was coming after that. We very
2: quickly realized that while we didn't think we belonged in the celebrity division to start, you sure ben got now. disqualified. I don't I damn sure <laughs> earn that res- earn that title after the fact. So we went walking to the Varied Industries building to go to our Iowa Wild booth. And we are filming some extra content pieces there, and two just out of the, as we're recording, I'm getting taps on the shoulder from people, and they're being like, "You just threw that. You you were the one that threw it in the street, right?" And now we're really far away like, from we're not from close. where Pioneer
1: Hall and the Cow chip throwing contest was. If like you know we're, the not fair, in there. we're not from even we're not even close to
2: it. Building to the to Pioneer Hall, they're not close. And at this point, the Cow chip contest is still going on because. The kids, the men, and the women mm-hmm. are all still thrown. We didn't. We weren't able to stick around. But this was that. over an hour after. It was yeah. It was well after, and uh, two more people. You know, that was you. Good job. Congratulations. That's awesome. Again, I didn't think anything of it. Then I get home. <laughs> then I get home, and I had forgotten that I was on the news. Um, and I, I of course, missed it. Uh, the first time, so I, I got a, uh, I think it was a a text message from our contact with. The police department who we work with for Local Heroes Night, and he goes, I, I should probably find it, read it. He goes, Why are you on the news? <laughs> and I was like, You get a uh, a text like that from a police officer, like a detective, nonetheless. And I'm like, I I, I don't know. And he goes, What do you know? <laughs> he goes like, It's like, well, that's awesome. Congratulations. And I realized what he was talking about, and I was like, Oh, I totally forgot that I was on the news this early. So I like, I sent to my family. I was like, Just. Watch this when it comes out. I missed it again, and as I missed it, I get an email from our radio station contact. Congratulations, that's amazing. Blah blah blah. Yeah. It runs again on the news. I get two more emails from from different partners and and a band we use for the local concert series. You're like, that's awesome. Good for you. Congratulations. I missed the thing on the news again. My family's text my brother has doesn't live in i lives in massachusetts right he's like he's like iowa it was a lead story he was like iowa news is something else He was like it was crazy and then uh and then you said your neighbor had said something about yeah. it like it was the amount of people from the time it ended to when i woke up the next day the amount of outreach i had it it they it it, it was just such a big deal and i just didn't think of it that way but i guess so i i couldn't believe it when i was coming Back from the fair
1: that day, again, you know, this was after I think the five o'clock news had run, so you'd you'd had your your introduction as a as a local Iowa yeah. celebrity at this point. And I'm walking in, and my neighbor, I love, our, we have great neighbors where we live. I love our neighbors. But he, he texted me, Hey Ben, we saw you were at the fair today. And I'm like, Well, he does. This guy does. He's an older gentleman. Doesn't have doesn't have social media for sure. Like sure. wasn't seeing anything we were posting. And I'm like, I know where this is. The minute he said that, I'm like, <laughs> I know where this is going. He goes, Yeah, saw so looked like one of your coworkers won that cow chip throwing contest. Yeah, I'm like, you got to be kidding. <laughs> I was gonna say you weren't even
2: you weren't even on the news piece, which is the craziest yeah, part.
1: No. It, it was yeah, yeah. incredible. So Electric. An, an outrageous, an outrageous aftermath of that whole thing. Who knew what this was going to play out to be like? But uh, it Not was me. well done. It was a really fun event and it was fun because when you and I decided that was what we were going to do we were excited about it but i don't think we had any any notion it was going to maybe go as well or as, as interestingly mm-hmm. as it did it really you winning a, a side like it was just it was a fun content piece yeah. to do and we had a really good time doing it yeah
2: no it was it was uh it was it was everything we thought it would be. <laughs> <Yeah>. And more. <laughs> and um, more. Which but, we
1: can say about this interview as well. Yeah. With, well, with Shaky Krause. Last, last thing I want to get Hold on. No, we, no, bro, take no, my no. last time no, in no, the no, limelight here. Not, not about the couch. Okay. I asked
2: everybody this question in the marketing office today. I want to get your thoughts on it. A lot of fair food was great. A lot of good things at the fair. What was the best thing you ate at the fair this year? Was there anything that stands out above and beyond?
1: Um. <sighs> All I had, I had the pork chop on a stick with you, um, and then my wife, as you know, was there, so we went and did our own thing. But And I had a corn dog and then deep-fried Oreos. I really – I didn't stray from my typical – those are – corn dog and deep-fried Oreos are my two that I will find a way to get every year. In what about way, that? You guys had the ice cream too? They, yeah, that ice cream in – which is across from the very it's in the grandstand like cross
2: nit- nitro ice cream or something. I don't like know. That?
1: Net, my my wife could tell you all about it. I I just know that it was as as we joked. You, you're trying to get you're trying to bring up no, the no, no, ice no, cream no, joke. No no now no on, on no on no podcast, no no no. I'm you? just asking. Well, of course, Ben. Your Mark- favorite ice cream is vanilla.
2: Yeah, that was that happened at the fair. He's doing this to himself. And you know it because <laughs> you were in the meeting today. When I asked everybody about it, I'm not fishing for you're an answer. Fishing, you're, fishing you're giving the, it you to me. You want to bring this up? No, yeah. you're giving well, it to me. Of course, you like vanilla. Which vanilla
1: is my favorite flavor of ice cream? And I'll I'll fight I'll, I'll fight anybody about that. Yeah, yeah Plain Jane. Yeah. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> it's, that's all right. That so probably so was the best thing I had. That was It was incredibly good. It incredibly was good. good. Yeah. Um, and they do, they do free samples of it too. Although Natalie went in and got. A nice, yeah, nice, good. nice bowl. But no, yeah, that was that. probably the the best thing that that I had there. Um, but uh, corn dog in, never fails. Yeah,
2: I think corn dog never fails either. You you missed out because, and I don't know, Marquise, I don't know if you ended up having it, but the strawberry short, the deep fried strawberry shortcake. Really? I, wow, I that was gobsmack dreams, on your face. Dreams about <laughs> it. It that was. I mean, I went I went back on Saturday during the afternoon, just kind of did like a walk around. To, get lunch basically and try Mm -hmm. a couple different things that i hadn't had a chance to try and the strawberry shortcake was like what i closed my tour de food with and oh my goodness (laughs) it was so 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 good by far the best thing that i ate at the fair not even close um so next year when we're back hopefully they're still selling the Deep fried strawberry shortcake. Well, with this kind we're of a, with this kind of we're a reaction, I would imagine it's, it's that, messy. That's but it's back. so, that's, so that's
1: good. That's the fair. The fair yeah, is messy. Great. All right, now that, we can get to the end. That's a nice way to uh, to put a pin in in the fair. And it was another wonderful <laughs> Iowa State Fair, and a, a a terrific job by all of the staff that helped not only sell tickets but merchandise and help get the word out. Um, another really successful year there by all the front office staff members that were a part of that. So. Uh, a very big kudos to everybody who had a hand in that and mm-hmm. worked some long hours. I know that those those days aren't easy either. Um, so big shout-out to our staff on that. And really, there's not a whole lot else we can we, we should say about Richard Shaky Krause. He will tell you that and more. We learned so much about him. He is such a great storyteller. He has one million and one stories that um, he should be on more podcasts to tell. Yeah. Not just ours. He should just be on more pad- podcasts in general to tell his stories. He's mm-hmm. such a good storyteller. Um, and really, one of our most unique guests we've had. We're really excited about it. And just one whale of a guy in I- Richard Jakey Krause. So much fun to work with. And as we get to towards the end of our interview as well, he's a really, really important part of what goes on down mm-hmm. here. Not only because of his work ethic and what his capabilities are as an equipment manager, but the type of voice he is in the locker room for the hockey op staff is a really integral one.
2: Yeah. And I mean, there's a reason he's still in his role. You know, sometimes when you switch over regimes, and and sometimes sports staff doesn't always stick around. And he's a he was a staple piece that had to be here year in year out. And I, there's a lot of good things that he he said, and and we'll kind of recap a bit after. But um, yeah, just and he's an all-time storyteller, an elite storyteller. If if I were to put together a Mount Rushmore. Of, people that i've met in my lifetime who are good storytellers he is without a doubt in that list of four no question
1: he's known as b he's known as shaky on his birth certificate though it is richard Kraus, but we call him shaky the head equipment manager of the iowa wild
2: we're back right before we get into period two in our interview with richard shaky Kraus. We have to shout out our friends at Explore Minnesota. Bluebird skies, crisp air, and stunning scenery inspire us to chase magical moments. In Minnesota, you'll find endless hiking trails, big or small, quaint cabins, and great lakes that will create memories of a lifetime. Start planning your dream trip at exploreminnesota.com. I was so close, and then I got hung up on the last word.
1: Let's go. Let's throw it to shaky. On to period two with a very special guest, a very special part of the Iowa Wild organization and a very special friend in Richard, shaky Kraus, the head equipment manager of the Iowa Wild. And shaky, you've been someone
2: that has been on
1: our list pretty much since we hit since the beginning. recording
2: on our first yes. ever episode. Since the beginning. So getting since you, you here it, since is, is you great. it's crashes DMs, being like, when am I going to get on the podcast? It, it This track's quite a quite a t- quite some time.
0: Well, this is a unique honor and a privilege. I must I must say that yes, this is uh I've I've often thought about this, but now that I'm on here, now it's it's going to be no holds barred. I've
1: got we're, we we prefaced this in our previous episode. Yes. We 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 said Shakey's coming on next. Get ready, make sure you got a long car ride ahead of you cuz yes. we we got all the time in the world and Oof. we know you can tell stories and and we've A great story like anybody. So we're going to get to it. Uh, First question I have for you as we start with every guest that we have on this episode, on this show, is you're on the bus. We want people to feel like they're sitting right next to you on the bus. Granted, with the Wild, you're usually driving the equipment truck. But you've been on the bus plenty in your many years of doing this. What's a great bus story to get our listeners really in the seat next to you for the rest of this long and
0: hopefully hilarious ride? So we're coming... We are coming back from Milwaukee, going to Chicago. we just gotten smoked. This was back in 2003. And
1: uh, What club is this with then?
0: It was, this was with the uh, Utah Grizzlies.
1: I, Utah Grizzlies, okay. Yeah,
0: we just gotten smoked, and we're going back to O'Hare to catch the skiers right? I to go back to Salt Lake City that night. It was a Sunday. Flew in, played the game, flew out same day. And... Uh, Bus is dead, dead quiet, dead quiet. Like, we had all the gear under the bus. It was a quick trip. All of a sudden, guy's phone rings in the back. And Don Hay just whips his head around. He was coaching with Bob Bass. And Don Hay turns around, and you could just tell, like, he's glaring, right? Laser beams are going right towards the back. Like, he would have burned a hole in the toilet (laughs) in the back, right? So now, all of a sudden... I'm looking in the back, but you can't see. It's night, you know, and I'm thinking, boy, man, somebody's going like, to get beat down when we get to this airport. And then all of a sudden you can hear the muffled talking of a certain player. And come to find out he was talking to his girlfriend, and his girlfriend's name was Muffin. And he's just sitting there, and he goes, but Muffin, honest, I didn't know. I can't talk to you right now, Muffin. We just got smoked. So, like, all of a sudden now, like, Don Hate just turns around and drops a complimentary term, and he goes, who the is muffin like that? <laughs> and, and the whole bus just breaks out. Like, I think it might have been Jared Scaldi that started laughing first, and the whole bus just breaks out. Player uh, was somebody that was a fighter that wasn't a regular on the team, was a call-up. And it was just, oh, it was just hilarious. And I'm sitting there going, like, this guy's not going to live this down. So for the whole rest of the year he was with us, I called him Muffin. <laughs> of I put, course. I got gloves for him with Muffin on the cuff. <laughs> I took the label maker. I put Muffin on his, on his sticks. Oh, I wouldn't let him down. No. You shouldn't live that down either. No, no, no. We used to also do, coincidentally, we used to do um, tire bets. Where we would put a line on the top of the wheel well mm-hmm. in the back of the bus, and then everybody would take a spot on the tire. It was five bucks. And then when the bus stopped at the rink, final stop, whoever's number came closest to the center line won the tire bet. Wow. Yeah, we, oh, no, I, I thought of the tire bet. That was my idea. That was your idea. Yeah, you that brought my, that to the you know, table. That's like, it was five bucks a person to get in. Yeah. It was kind of like similar to the. Back in the day when you used to fly and your bags would come off the belt, and it would be $1 in for everybody to see whose bag used to come off first all the time. And I was like, you know, we got to, like, spice it up because we used to do a lot of busing in the old IHL between, like, you know, you'd fly into Detroit and then you'd do a loop for two weeks. You'd go to Kalamazoo, Fort Wayne, Cincinnati, Cleveland. You couldn't do the bet if the weather was going to be inclement because people's names and numbers, mm-hmm. you know, initials would get washed off. But if you had a short ride like Detroit to Kalamazoo, tire bet was on. Always, tire bet was on. And I never had people that were short of wanting to play. Always.
2: No tire bets for, for
1: Iowa bus trips? I've never seen that. Not no. I'm not, sure yeah. I'm not sure if Winstar, our partner, would be very happy with us drawing on their tires.
0: Well, no. What it was, it's just a piece of uh, chalk like the kids draw on the driveway with. You know what I mean? And you just put it on the side of it. just so put it on the side. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's okay. all. I'll nothing, talk to Jeff, our bus nothing, driver. Uh, Jeff, Jeff will okay it, I think. I guarantee yeah. you we'd have some people that would be takers, and they oh, wouldn't want to play for five. They'd want to play for 10 or 20, but... I might be willing to get in on that. I think I'd get in (laughs) on it too. That sounds like a blast. And it wouldn't start... Uh, it would not count if you stopped for lunch or anything like that. It had final to be stop. When you, final stop. If you pulled up to the hotel, <laughs> that was it. That's where it counted. And it was a no-go if the weather did get inclement and mm-hmm. everything got washed off. It was a no-dice at that point. But bet was one of my masterpieces.
1: Those are two of the best responses we've gotten to the bus story question, yeah. I think. I mean, that, those both were phenomenal. So we're off to a great start. My, my initial question in planning for you, aside from the bus question, and shaky and joey you can help me with this one you're the first and only person to have made the podcast that actually platooned for yourself to be on the podcast and you did it in a very circuitous route to get in you you, you obviously could have easily come to me you could have easily come to joey you could have easily tweeted at our accounts yes but i believe you went at you you tweeted at crash's twitter yeah. account about yep. it is that correct yes yep what was the thought process behind that route? To It worked. I mean, here you are. <laughs>
0: well, I, I figure Crash I figure Crash gets a lot of action. You know, he gets a lot of uh, DMs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And plus, I got to take care of all his needs, you know, like equipment needs and stuff. And I'm like, listen, if, if Crash is going to keep getting what he needs, then I need to get a little something in return. <laughs> hey, listen, he's Crash. W- what can I tell you? He's, he's all right. He's a good dude, you know. He's crash. He's crash. Yeah.
2: All right. So All right. you've 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 your career spanned a lot of different places, a lot of different leagues, a lot of different teams, and and you've had, you know, the the privilege of being able to work with some really big name. Superstars, right? Yeah, um, both
1: on the ice and in in the front office. Yeah, right. So, I mean, like yeah. you've d- Lou Lamorello, Bill Guerin, to name a few uh, in the front office that you've had. You know, Mike Millbury a name that comes to mind there too. Lots of lots of it, right?
2: Yeah. yeah. And, and before I I dive into you know who are some of the, your the bigger names, some stories with some of those people, I think the question that has to be asked off the top is where the nickname Shaky comes from, which I know we've heard the story. Yeah, but many people out there may not know you got the nickname from billy. somebody that was
0: billy with it yep
2: from bill garen yeah, so was billy you want to yeah. tell the story about how this all came to be
0: because i i didn't have a nickname at the time and every day or close to every day every other day and this was utica utica yep. yeah so it was billy's first year it was 91 close to every other day i would come in with a milkshake from mcdonald's especially on a game day and March is my favorite month because it's Shamrock. Oh, so best. I love the, the menu. And, so and back then, the milkshakes used to come in the soda cups, if you remember. So like a small one, they were a little bit bigger. Now they're all kind of like a little bit, you know, like a coffee cup sure. almost. shape, see-through. See-through, yeah. yeah. So I would always get like a small one. And if I, if I needed a, l- a little extra, like as Joe Boo says in Major League, I would come in with the big tall boy. <laughs> And he said to me, he goes, man, he goes, like, you don't have a nickname. He said, you are always drinking one of those. And he said, to be honest with you, you kind of look like one from the side. (laughs) So he goes, that's it. He goes, we're rolling with shaky. And I said, okay. And then all of a sudden he just kept throwing it out there. And then next thing you know, it's. It's Matt Rucky catching it. It's Brian Sullivan, and then it's Dean Melcock, and and then it's you know all these guys. So next thing you know, um, the next year, um, Robbie Fatorik comes in, and he goes, uh, "What's your what's your name?" and and uh, I forget if it was, it might have been somebody actually were in New Jersey at camp, and they're like, "Oh no no, that's not his name." <laughs> <laughs> and somebody said to me, well, his name's Richard. And they go, no, 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 no. That's not his name. Like that. And uh, they said, no, his nickname is Shaky. And that's – and Lou Amarillo always used to say to me, he never call me, he'd say Shaky.
2: And Lou's like a very yeah. buttoned up he, guy he, who yeah. doesn't – He's be he he buttoned up. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. is by definition.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Like, that's when – yeah, that's when it all started. It all prefaced. And then it got to a point where, like, I go to uh, Orlando – and I meet Don Waddell and Don Waddell says, um when I went there, he said, Well, he said, um, I heard that you have two names. He said, Which one do you like better? Do you like Richard or Shaky? And I said, Oh, I said, I'll take Shaky. Like So that. that was it that, that was when was, you had the chance yeah, to maybe yeah, to leave yeah, it in Utah the narrative. Yep. Yeah. And, but you and, didn't. You embraced it. No, I yeah. am, I embraced it and then it, it just carried it carried on. Like I went to go work in the Western Professional Hockey League the next year and uh the coach was Bob Bourne, and he called me, and I didn't even apply for the job. Somebody had just said to him I was looking for to become a head guy, mm-hmm. and he called me up, and he goes, hey, uh, he goes, don't tell me that's your real name like that because he goes, the person that gave me your number said your name was Shaky Krause. <laughs> and I said, well, I said, no, I said, it's not. but, And, yeah, it just it, it carried over, and it carried over. And then so I um, go to the New York Islanders, and the owner, Charles Wong, comes up to me and he goes hey uh I haven't met you yet but uh the only thing I was told was your name is shaky Krause and I said yes Charles I said my real name's Richard but he goes I like shaky better like that so that was it that was it it was all over and and uh even Mike Milbury would call me that he'd be like hey shaky uh you know uh can you uh you know, go get me another cigarette. You know.
1: <laughs> I wonder, in hockey, shaky. Do you think that there are probably a decent amount of people that you've worked with, or maybe players that you've wor- that have worked with you that maybe don't even know your real name?
0: No, because I remember uh, I remember uh, Kyle Okposo picking him up at the airport for his first rookie camp with the Islanders, and whoever I think it was. Garth secretary had sent out to the players, like, who was going to pick people up in their groups. And Kylock Poso goes, um, are you shaky? And I said, yeah. He goes, okay, I was told that you were picking me up for my group. And I said, yeah. So and then I went back, and Gar's secretary said, yeah, I just figure everybody calls you that, so be easier than using your real name. So, yeah, there was people. Uh, I remember Cal Clutterbuck at the end of the year said to me, um, they – put a list of names out of all the trainers uh, at the end of the year and I remember him walking around going, Who the hell's Richard Krause? <laughs> who who is Richard Krause? Like, who is this guy? Like who who is is he a game night guy? And I looked at him and I go, no, I go, it's me. He goes, Are you serious? I said, Yeah, I said, That's me. He goes, I never even knew your full name. He goes, It was just shaky.
2: That's
1: awesome. Yeah. answers that question. Yeah. Shake, you've been in this business quite literally since you were a teenager, if I'm not mistaken, correct? I mean, this is something that you obviously grew up a hockey fan, but once hockey got a hold of you, it's never let go. Walk us through and give us the Cliff Notes version of how you got introduced to the game. And I know it was at a very young age compared to most.
0: Yeah. So... My parents growing up, we had the Atlantic Coast Hockey League um, growing up, which was like the Slapshot, you know, style. Like, the East Coast League was just brand new. The East Coast League had morphed. The Atlantic Coast League morphed into the East Coast League. So there was a team back home. My parents used to take us. Tickets were like $8. And I think where my mom worked, they had gotten some free tickets. And then the American Hockey League came to town. And I said to my dad, I said, oh, I said, like, this is the American Hockey League. Like, and my dad's like, oh, I, I don't know. It might be, you know, it's going to be kind of expensive. Mm-hmm. So my father went and he got us tickets where we sat before, which was three rows right off the ice in the corner by where the home team shot twice. So the home team would come off and on the ice right there. And I would just lean over all the time and ask, you know, questions about, like, uh, you know, like what was going on and stuff like that with players. And the assistant equipment manager at the time um, said to me one night, he said, hey, he said, listen, he said, we're short a couple people. Do you want to come downstairs and just help out for tonight? Start filling water bottles and stuff like that. And I said, yeah. He said, okay, that's fine. And then the next year, he ended up becoming the head guy. He just graduated high school. And then he said, okay, he says, I'm going to give you, give you a test. And the test was back then – on a Saturday night, the test was okay. I'm going to give you this list. And if I come in on Sunday for practice and this list is all done, that was like one of the tests. So I went back, I got my brother and I convinced my parents to let us stay late. So they would come back. Cause I didn't have a license then to drive after dark back then you had to have a special, you know, like a note and everything mm-hmm. to drive after dark. So my dad said, all right, we'll come back. And, uh, we passed the test and then gradually it grew more and more. And then it turned into, back then the American League was mostly a weekend league, turned into, hey, uh, you know, we're we're going to Binghamton and Hershey on Saturday and Sunday. Like, do you want to go? Yeah. So my parents would let me go. And then it turned into, hey, you know, we're going Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So then, you know, of course, I would get out of school at like 11, go down, get on the bus at, you know, one to go to Rochester. And then next thing you know, I get out of high school. And uh, it was, hey, you know, do you want to come and work full time? And I was like, hmm, I was like, well, I want to. But at first, my mom was against it because my mom was like, well, you know, like, I want you to go to school. I want you to get a degree. And my dad was like, no, 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 no. let him go. Let him go. Like, if, why send dad. him? Yeah. yeah he's, like, <laughs> he's like, why send him to school? Like, you know, if he's not going to like it. And then, you know, so. We did it. And then, yeah, it it ended up working out where we were in Utica for the one year. Then we went to Albany for two years. We won the Calder Cup. And then I ended up moving with my buddy to Orlando to work with the Solar Bears. And then, yeah, I ended up going Western Professional Hockey League for a year. Las Vegas for two years. Um, back to the East Coast League because the team folded in Vegas, and then back to the IHL, to the American League, to the NHL. With a stop, coincidentally, in Des Moines before I went to the NHL. I lived here for six weeks. So I was here when all these – Stalls were getting put in. All these rooms were painted baby blue, as you remember. The back hallway was baby blue. Mm-hmm. I loved your tidbit on yeah. that
1: because that was the that was the cheapest paint around at the time. Yes. that's why that's, it was baby yes. blue. I love that little yes. tidbit you gave us the other day. Yeah. Yes,
0: that's <laughs> what that's. So I was here like when they were putting in the boards for the first time and and everything. Yeah. And so. it's
2: it's a it's a family business for you too right because you were here for I think you said it was six months but you left and then your brother came and took over
0: I was here for six weeks and then my brother came and took over because he was working in the East Coast League at the time in Pensacola and he came I got him the job with Dallas because Dallas didn't want to have to like advertise back then and interview people Um, the head equipment manager for the stars knew my brother so yeah my brother came in and he stayed here until the stars Took a one-year hiatus and then moved to Cedar Park, and then he went to San Antonio and worked with Arizona, worked with the Coyotes.
2: So all the all these places. I mean, you've obviously you've worked in a lot of places, which means you've been on the road in a lot of places. Yeah. So I guess a two-part question. One, all the I'll give you just now in the American Hockey League. What is your your favorite road city to go to? And then if there's one city that we don't go to anymore in the AHL that you've traveled to in your past. Yeah.
0: Which one was your favorite one to go to then? Oh, boy. Joey's opened up Pandora's box on this one. <laughs> You're not going to get one answer, Joey. No, No, There's no, no. Way. So That's what, yeah, definitely. So we're looking for. Def- at least four cities coming <laughs> yeah. out. right De- now. Definitely. Definitely. Ben knows one. I love going to Vegas. I knew that, that was going to be on going, the list. So I love going to Henderson. <laughs> I swear you walk in yeah. and they
1: say, Mr. Krause, yeah. welcome back. It's welcome, good to see welcome you. Welcome back.
0: I, I'm like, uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, like uh, Alan you know, from wedding or from the hangover. He's looking for Mr. Chow. I'm like Mr. Chow. Uh, San Diego's awesome. I think San Diego is great. I love, I love obviously going to Henderson. I'm a huge fan of going to um, Austin, especially if you can get some time off. San Antonio was another one of my favorites. Unfortunately, they're they're not there. I'm looking forward to going back to Hershey because when I was growing up, like that was to go to the old Hershey Park um, was the best. I did get to go to the new Hershey Park. When I worked in Salt Lake City, we did actually go there to play. So I did get to go to the new Giant Center. But the old Hershey Park, like is, it was, it was fabulous. Yeah, it was awesome.
2: Is there, is there a, I don't know, a place that maybe you traveled to when you were in the you know Utica or, or working with Utah where we it's just not part of the AHL that you can't – or maybe it's an NHL city too, I guess, a place that we just don't go to because they're not an AHL city.
0: Well, like I would have to say one of my favorite cities in the NHL was going to Denver. I loved going to Denver because we would always get a break there. Mm-hmm. But also another uh, really nice city is Vancouver. Yeah, if you can get, like, if you could go to Abbotsford and you get, like, a day where you could sneak into Vancouver. Vancouver is very, very nice. It's a very nice city. But I, I love going to Denver. Yeah, Denver. And even Dallas. Like, a lot of people say, like, what are you going to do in Dallas? Well, you, there's a lot of, like, walking trails that you can go to in Dallas with restaurants on them mm-hmm. and stuff like that. We went to a few places there where – uh you, we used to go there like usually in I want to say January or December. We'd go to Dallas with the Islanders, and they it would be like in the uh, lower 50s, upper 40s. But you could go outside and eat under heat lamps, and it was it was awesome. That's yeah. a,
1: that's a perfect temp for me. 50. Yeah. I, I love 50s. Yeah. 50 to 50 to 59. Yeah, I like that. You get a little sweat sweater on, jeans, not, not too I'll cold. That, no, not too <coughs> hot. No. no. Yeah. I can dig that. And Vancouver, yeah. I've only been there once, but, man, the one trip I had there was off the charts. Great. It's a great great city. Yeah, Vancouver's awesome. We got a little hint of it, um, the movie quoting. One thing with Richard Shaky Krause, if you are around the locker room for 15 minutes on a game day, I guarantee you you're going to hear at least one movie quote. Yeah. So one of the questions I had for you, Shaky, was – do you think that there is a there's a top 3 or a Mount Rushmore of movies that you quote from the most? Ooh. ooh. I know one of them. I know one of them.
0: <sighs> oh man, that that's that's tough. Actually, the strength coach with the Islanders and I used to have this list that we always said we there were like 10 must-see movies that we like had to watch together. We didn't get through all of it, but you know, you got Wedding Crashers. You got The Hangover. You know, one of my other favorite movies is Casino. You got Goodfellas. You, oh, there's, yeah, Revenge of the Nerds. I mean, like, now I'm digging in Police Academy, you know, like, you know, like, but, yeah, there's there's a lot of great movies. And quotes, you know, there's a lot of guys that throw them right back, like Zane McIntyre will yeah. throw, throw one right back at you, or he'll, he'll know what's coming, and he'll beat you to the punch. But, yeah, he, he loves movies, too. Yeah, he loves the quotes. What's the
2: movie that you had in your
0: mind, Ben? Wedding Crashers and Casino
1: were the two I figured he'd bring up. Yeah. yeah Wed- Wedding Crashers is the one I've heard most frequently. <laughs> uh, but Casino is in there as well, where you've brought up numerous casino lines um, throughout the course of the season, too. I was guessing those two were going to make the list. Wedding Crashers is
0: always a, a, a big one all the time. Yeah, that's that's a big that's That's a go-to, yeah.
1: Wedding Crashers is a great one. Yes. Most people of age that have seen it, and probably plenty that shouldn't have seen it, have seen it as well. (laughs) I'm not sure I saw it when I should have seen it either. But, um, yeah, the movie quotes is is a big part. Another thing, if you're down in the locker room around game time when the players are there, the term B-Row or Bro is thrown around a lot. Oh, yes, yes. It was thrown around my first year here, my second year, but really last year... is when it really started to permeate, not only into the staff, but the players. I mean, you had
0: Adam Beckman running around, B-Row this, B-Row that. So what can you tell us about B-Row? So B-Row originally came from a gentleman named The Michael Buchanan, who used to help us out on game nights. And he'd always walk in and be like, "Hey, bro, what's up, bro?" Or he'd throw it out at you like, "That's the game, bro." So like that's how that started, and then it just carried over to where Becky took it, kind of like to a next level. Um, Coach McLean loves "Hey, bro" because he was here during that time. So there's there's times where I'll go to talk to Mac now. And I'll be like, okay, like this is different now because now Max in charge. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not yeah. an assistant coach. And I'll go to call him, and he'll be like, hey, bro. <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> – so now I'm like, okay. So now I'm saying to myself, all right, so it's – now it's still game on, yeah. you know. And, yeah, yeah it totally – and then it turned into taking it to B-Row. So uh, I think Adam Beckman took it to B-Row, and now it's, it's turned into – uh Bacher going, hey, bro, and and Keith Paulson would be like, hey, bro, and then it's morphed into B-Row. We've got the B-Row Shuffle, which is uh, something that I came up with just as a little zinger, like uh, similar to um, the movie, quote, The Last Boy Scout, where, uh, you know, uh, Bruce Willis' his character says that if he ends up making it out alive, he's going to dance a jig up in the light. So the B-Row Shuffle kind of developed into a little bit of a jig, a little bit of the old-school baby dance that used to be at the Hard Rock when the dancing baby used to be on the Jumbotron. That was another uh, segment that we won't talk about. <laughs> that was, back, that was in, back in 97, but... Uh, We used to do the dancing baby back in that day. But, yeah, so B-Row has really, like, turned into where I'll get text messages from guys, and Sweeney will be like, B-R, and then, like, (laughs) 10-O's. And it's like you're texting them to say, like, hey, do you need anything during the summer? And the answer will be back, hey, bro. (laughs) And now it's turned into, like, they got, like – Yes,per Wallstead will be like, "What's up, Brow?" And they're like sending you voice, little voice, you know, messages and everything with the "Hey, Brow" and and stuff. And it'll be, "What's up, Brow?" And then. You know, now it's gotten to the kids like Kyle Masters, and really, they've yeah, so they, they've, they've they haven't even been here yet, no. and they know well, about it. Well, they've caught on to it at development camp. Yeah, development going, camp, yeah. yeah. and That's I got amazing. I got David <laughs> Spacchek. They're, they're like, quick; these kids. Yeah, they learn yeah. quick, yeah. man, they learn quick. <laughs> I got David Spachek going, "Hey, Barrow, like, and uh, you know," and then we kind of had another situation uh, come out of that where we kind of jokingly just utilized. A line out of uh, Ace Ventura with "Can I ask you a question?" and that morphed into uh, people calling me Emilio because (laughs) that was the name of uh, that was the name of the cop where Ace Ventura said, "Excuse me, I'd like to ask you a question." (laughs) So that's kind of like Emilio's come out now, where you talk with you know Emilio. And the guys are like, "Oh, guys are like, if you have a stomachache, they're like, like, oh, your Emilio's upset,' you know?" And I'm like, <laughs> "So, yeah, we've had several, uh, we've had several things that kind of came out of that, where we had certain staff members that looked at that and said that wasn't funny." And now I think it's going to turn into a full bore. It's a great
1: point. It, it, yeah. the doors are going to open, open even more, more on more it now. now. Like yeah. we thought, it. It. You're right. It was. It was a little bit under the radar growth last year but yes. you're right the katie bar might come off the door this year with that because there, yeah the limitations might be a little different yeah um, that's an interesting point to think about Boy, I, I shudder to think about what it could be like this year with the, with the b-row and the shuffle that could be the b-row the shuffle all over
0: and the and the uh and the uh the the game that we play in the equipment vehicle that could come out more like that that comes out in text messages and it was hindered for a couple of years but now it could come out even more
2: is that one we can get into or not? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if we I don't know if we can get into that game.
0: That's that's just a, that let's just say that's a, a game where certain aromas are involved.
2: <laughs> oh, I do know this game. I've heard this game before. And
0: if one person can out aroma another person, then you win. You win the game. That's all there is to it. That's it. It's an aroma based game. So
1: that's why Got a clunky segue. <laughs>
2: no, no, no. Well, oh no, you're I'm staying se- in it. Okay, I'm staying in me. it because if I'm not mistaken, and I'm gonna look at Marquise because he's my only witness to this, other than the other person involved. But was there not a podcast bet last year that Ben lost, Ooh. where he had to ride that's in the right. equipment truck?
0: Mm-hmm. Ooh, Do you that, remember that? That'd be a tough ride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I think now I
2: know why he kind of well, opted it out.
0: Actually, no, Ben. Ben kind of made up for that when I was out with COVID, and Ben had to drive the truck. And then they almost took the gate down on the expressway because they thought they had to pay the toll. But he then, made up
2: for it with you, not with me.
0: Yeah, so he didn't make up with it with you. But I mean, it's kind of hard. We gotta we gotta make sure Ben keeps everything in line on the bus at that's the true. same time. That's true. So We've heard that's, we, that's, a lot
1: of
2: they people call com- it robbing Peter to pay Paul. A lot yeah, of, a lot of people impression. have come on this podcast and thrown Ben right under the oh, bus yeah. for many many yeah. travel issues. Yeah, so, correct.
0: we got to make sure Ben keeps it. Just how
2: I plan it out yeah.
1: every time. Yeah. I love terrible travel issues that come up. I love yeah. when that happens. Your favorite. It's my goal of every trip. You love yeah, it when, that you
0: know, Jeff gets sick. You know, what are you going to do? Yeah, right? we had a bus
1: driver get sick. Yeah. And, and not his fault. He got sick, couldn't drive the bus. Yeah. We're, how, uh, how dare he? Luckily, he you just pull a bus out of your sleeve. Oh, oh look, look. <laughs> here comes a <the> bus. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Hold on a minute here. Let me see if I can produce that for <laughs> yeah. you. That's yeah. a classic line I always tell guys all the time. Somebody will be like, "Hey, uh, well, I thought you ordered that for me." I'm like, "Hold on here. Let me see if I can squat and just produce it for you." <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> let me let me see if I can go to Quebec and make it for you. Yeah. Like seriously. Come on.
2: I I want to ask so you yeah. on that kind of similar line on on, you know, work on the equipment side. You're I think a lot of people don't realize the behind the scenes side of things on a game day is it can be I mean, you're here early, you leave late, but during the game itself, people see you on the bench, but then there's times where you duck back in a locker room and you go missing, and you're, you're making, you're sharpening skates, you're fixing things. Yep. Of all the things that you've had to fix, like, in the middle of a game, in a hurry, in a pinch, what's the, is what's, like, I guess, I don't know, like, the craziest thing you've had to the fix? Most, what, the most what's MacGyver the most, move you've yeah, ever the, made? Yeah, yeah. What, what's the most, like, <clears throat> finicky thing you've had to piece together in a pinch just so a guy could get out back on the ice
0: well overall in my whole career um probably the one the one time we did have I forget who it was with the Islanders but somebody took a puck to their fingers they blocked a shot and then they had to take their fingers and put them together with the the splints so we did have to Quickly, you have to open up the gussets on the fingers on the side and then stitch it across so you could get back in there with the splint and play for it. I've had to do that a couple of times. The one person that had it the worst was, uh, I want to say, two years ago, might have been Damian Giroux, where he blocked a shot and it broke the tip of his finger, Hmm. but he kept playing, and we had to MacGyver a glove quickly in between periods for him, and it's just – basically taking a scalpel opening up the inside so you can piece that together and he can put that splint up in there and then you put like four or five uh stitches across the top and four or five loose ones there so at least they still have it Mm -hmm. together the other one would most likely be having to change a skate blade holder during an intermission uh, I want to say Connor Dewar was the last one that did it his last year here where he actually came off and he goes, yeah, he goes for some reason, he goes, when I walk, my blade's clicking, and he took an, uh, a shot off the interchangeable, the trigger of the interchangeable holder, and it broke the piece on the inside so the steel will stay in, but it won't stay tight. Mm-hmm. So it'll click. So it's like, okay, you got 15 minutes to literally stand at the riveter and pull out the, <laughs> yeah. yeah, pull out the 14 uh, rivets, you know, that you have quickly. Put a new one on, get it back, get it back in, and you know. But you you try. You, um, the other one is the other one that can be tough would be a goalie's cage. That's why it's important to make sure the goalies have two because you'll up. see sometimes Zane'll get hit. And he'll, and if you'll see, he'll get hit. And if he can't get the whistle right away, you'll just see him point up to his mask. And that usually means he got drilled somewhere here in the center. And he's very picky about Mm -hmm. Zane's very picky about that. And with the mask he wears now, the uh, Bauer mask, the profile cage fits for both his mask and Jesper's mask. But for a little while, his cage was independent and it wouldn't fit on like Jesper or Hunter's or Derek Barabow's mask. So we used to have to just make sure we had masks for his cage. So the one good thing is that, or for his mask, we had to have cages. So the one good thing is Zane always has a backup anyway. So then we'll just take it and then I'll go in quick. Because sometimes the screws can get locked in on the inside, they'll strip, and then you have to try to drill them out. But We always try to make sure the goalies have two. And if you're at home, it's easy. But, like, last year, Zane ended up – we were in Austin, and we had to get his second mask because he broke the clip on the strap in the back. Usually I always have a clip anyway. Mm -hmm. But the referees, sometimes you'll get some gratis. Other times you won't. So then we'll just try to flip it real quick.
2: What's, like – is it – maybe it is the – like the the blade holder, but like, is there one thing that like when it happens, you're like, what a what a yeah, pain yeah. in the ass? Like, especially I with this like, well, pen.
0: especially like with the goalie, it's a total pain in the ass because if that holder breaks on on that skate, like in with the goalies, now the goalie's got to come off, he's got to take his pad off, and he's either got to wear his backup skates or he's got to wait for you to change mm-hmm. that holder because most of the goalies now don't have callings anymore you know the old school hard shell outside they all want to use that edge holder from bauer or true and yeah it can be um that can be that's one of them where you go through your mind and you're like oh man please don't let that please like a strap you can live with like a lace on the bottom of the pad you can tie something together quick get through to the next intermission but Mm -hmm. like if that happens like especially if you get a goalie that's picky with their skates and they want to just wear that one pair. Now it, it's kind of hard to explain to a coach that the goalie that, you know, you had in the game now you got to go back and yeah. try to hammer out quick. But that's the one that always scares me.
1: What is the most bizarre player request you've gotten? Because the one thing that maybe I, I think a lot of listeners and fans may not know is so many of these guys have personalized elbow pads or shoulder pads or pants or skates. It's not like when you're young and you just buy a pair of skates from the store and you get, maybe you can put them in the oven and bake them. Jerseys, like, too. Like yeah, I see guys, you
2: altering specialty jerseys for certain guys. What yeah. would
1: you say, is there any any one moment or request where a guy came in and you just went, I can't believe someone's asking to do this? Or maybe you didn't think that, but you went, this is a really unique request or a strange request for a player to give me.
0: Yeah, there's, there's been a couple, like, usually with the goalies, there's sometimes, um, and this is where I'll get challenged with Zane, but Zane's awesome because Zane will be like, okay, I was thinking of this, and can you make this happen? And it'll be just like, it'll be one time Zane wanted Velcro on the back so, like, his um, back of his chest protector would wrap better around his mm-hmm. back and it wasn't loose. So he's like, okay, can we make a strap? So I can take the strap and I can just pull it over, tighten it up, and we can just loop it through a, a, you know, a loop here. And and he said to me, he goes, think about it and let me know what you think. So he's always good enough to ask you the night before. So I thought about it the next morning. I put his chest protector down and I said, okay, I said, I think we can do it like this and like this and like this. So he said, okay, fine. So we did it. He went out, used it for practice, came back, and he said, okay, can we modify this and this? So we came back and did it, and we got it dialed in, and then it was perfect. The other one was Jesper. Jesper liked the CCM upper body, but he wanted the Bauer chest protector arms. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like... The Frankenstein. Yes. yes, yes. So he's got the black um, chest protector going because he liked the higher shoulders. And But he wanted the thinner arms, so I said to him, I said, well, I said, I can do it, but I said, the NHL's got to approve it because I said with him, like, you never know when he's going to play. It's really hard. You can't sneak that one in. So I, I did it. I took the arms off. I stitched them on the upper body, and I sent the pictures in to the NHL, to Kay Whitmore, who I have a decently good relationship with. I went through a lot of stuff with the Islanders, with Kay, Um and he emailed me back and he said, this is one that I haven't seen in a long time. <laughs> and he said, but yeah, he said, the arms are legal off his previous upper body. That upper body is legal. He goes, yeah. He goes, if that's what he wants, then then do it. And then he said, but if I was you, um, just make sure you carry... You know, print the email out that I approved it. Carry it with you. Mm-hmm. Leave the email on your computer in case anybody ever calls you yeah, out about sure. it. But yeah, that was really strange because, and Richard Bachman looked at me and Bachers like, "Are you serious?" And I'm like, "Yeah, that's what he that's what he asked for." And he's like, "Oh man," he goes, "You're you're you're too good." And I'm like, it almost looked like um, when he did wear the CCM arms, he looked like Randy from A Christmas Story with that coat where he couldn't, he couldn't get, his, get his, arms. his elbows in. Yeah, he couldn't yeah. get his arms down. <laughs> so I told him, I said, you look like Randy. And he, he looks at me and he goes, who's Randy? I said, well, it's a long story. I said, we'll explain it later. But then once we did it, so he wore that probably from, I would say, Christmas on. He wore that like that, and he's still wearing right it. Around right around, started started around the time, he this. started to yeah. spike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so he liked it because he could move Credit his Credit to Shaky. Yeah, he could move yes his arms. Yes, success. Um, but speaking of jerseys, we ended up getting specialty jerseys. Uh, I don't, I think it must've been from OT sports where they accidentally made Derek Barabos, uh, a forward Jersey.
2: Oh, instead of the goalie cut. Instead of the goalie cut. Yeah.
0: So Joey sold it to a fan and the fan, poor fan got it and it was just sliced up all the way. (laughs) Yeah, because so then after that, right the, under the bus. The, then after, <laughs> oh, it's what are we gonna yeah. do? right? Yeah. so then after that, the fan actually came back. We fixed the jersey up for him, but then then after that, the rule was the goalies try the specialty jerseys on first, because then after that, what we did start doing was sending them to exclusive pro and having a gusset put up there mm-hmm. just to make sure, like a two inch seam with some. Uh, uh, nylon in there just to make sure it was big enough because after that there was no. And that's
2: a common thing too like the goalies I know especially jerseys is pretty common for the goalies to want to let it out but you got guys who want the like the cuff brought in yeah. tighter yeah. And, and everybody's got different Yeah. touches they like on it.
0: Yeah like Nick Patan always wants his cuff to be really um, hemmed up here so you just hem it up a little and then you stitch his sleeves up so he can pull it right up Um, he's like that. Adam Beckman's like that. Turner Ottenbright's like that. Nick Sweeney's like that. Ryan O'Rourke's like that. There's a bunch of them. And every year, who knows, you might inherit four or five more Mm -hmm. this year. There could be, there's certain guys that just when they pull them up, but now, um, with the new rule coming in on the cut sleeves and cut socks, they, they're going to have to wear those sleeves too, to the bottom. So, Yeah.
1: The wizard doesn't have much room up his sleeve,
0: apparently, is what no. I'm, I'm, oh, glad, is what I'm d- gleaning d- from He that. does. It, it's a trick. Yeah, it's a it's trick. A he trick. does. Yeah. It's He's there, but he just could, can't yeah, see. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, a good I, wizard yes. should. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I have, a, I have a, a feeling that a lot of guys are going to go with the cut sleeves and somehow there's going to be – there's gonna be something, something there where they're gonna want them hanging off the elbow pad, and you're gonna to have to cut them down. And it's stitch one of the them things, shaky the rolls and... over
1: at night and is thinking about going mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I, you I'm to have to do you, those cut sleeves,
0: aren't I? You just know it's coming. You know, one thirty in the morning, oh, yeah, cut sleeves. <laughs> yeah, and you got to do it when nobody's around. That's the whole. That's the whole thing. Actually, first cut sleeve I ever did was for Alexei Yashin, and he had to have it. He was very particular. When I first got to the Islanders, my good friend was my boss, and he's like, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, Yashin likes his sleeves tight to his elbow pads, and I'm looking at him, I'm going, huh? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you got to, like, hem it in. So I'm like, oh. So I do the first one. Yash comes back, and he goes, no good, no good. No, 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 too loose. So I'm like, oh, man, like, what's this guy want? So I go back to the sewing machine, creep it in just a little bit, Yes, yes, good, good. Uh, I was like, okay, all right. So then after that, I made a, I figured it out that it was the width of my two Jimmy Dean sausages that went right there, that that material, and then after that, you could hit it dead on every time on. It right, had to sit right flush because he wore the old school Easton elbow pads or Easton uh, shot uh, slash guards. Oh, yeah. He I think I had a pair school. of Easton slash guards. Yeah. I didn't
1: like them. Yeah, well, Restricted he, the hand, restricted my, my, my golden hands too there you much. Go. Well, yeah. Yeah. Here, my,
0: here's the thing with him. Like it did with him, but he wore the ones that had the round individual pieces that went around it. Oh, yeah. So
1: Mine were always just on the top. Yeah. He had it all the way around.
0: So what we used to have to do is take them and open them up and trim all the pieces down for them and then stitch it back wow. up so it wasn't as long. It was shortened. But it was Alexei and He was the captain of the Islanders. And how do you say no? You, you don't. can't. You, you don't. don't. You that, just do that's it. That's one thing, Shaky,
1: that really, it, it's such an impressive feat, equipment managers, and I see it every day I'm at the rink with you. The work ethic, the investment, the buy-in factor, and just the willingness to do extremely tedious, difficult jobs, sometimes at three in the morning if you have to. It's incredible the way you guys work. What do you think it is about the equipment manager guild that you have to have that mentality or you won't last. Will you?
0: No, no, you have to have it, especially when you get challenging, you get some challenges. Sometimes that you're sitting there going like guys are coming up with stuff and you're like, okay, like, you know, you have to buy into it. The The biggest test I want to say I ever had in my career, I thought was Rick DiPietro. I thought he was the biggest test I ever had. Um, the biggest test came last year in Andre Schuster, who's a class act, great wonderful guy, human. Yeah. wonderful human, always, like, was invested with me. So, like, when he asked you, you know, we went through with his skates, like, he always wanted lifts in the front, lifts in the back, even went to Home Depot and bought his own material. Came wow. to me one day, hmm. bought a, a sheet of Lexion because I had ordered a bunch of lifts from Bauer, And we tried doubling them up, we tried singling, and he's like, I want to use Lexion. And he went to Home Depot, bought a sheet of Lexion, and he said to me, he goes, okay, can we cut this Lexion in the same shape of the lifts from Bauer? And I said, yeah, I said, we can do it. I said, I think it's just, we're going to have to do it with the Dremel. So drew it out and cut it with the Dremel, shaped it on the cross grinder and everything and put it in underneath. And he literally stayed the whole time. He was invested. It wasn't because he wanted to see if I was doing it right mm-hmm. or he just like was wanted he wanted to loved be involved in the he wanted yeah. to be yeah. involved. He loved watching you do it. He loved the fact that you took the time to actually do it with yeah. him. And I mean we went through skates where he had one pair of skates where one blade was a two eighty eight and the next blade was a two ninety six. So what it means is one blade was longer than the other on the same size boot because he wanted to see if more steel was gonna work or if less steel was going to work. We would um do different radiuses on the CAG machine. We would do different sharpenings and and uh I remember a, uh, a couple of times like Tim Army said to me, he goes I'll tell you what he goes you got more patience than I would he goes you you are he goes you are a good man but the goal I was always taught when I started was you wanted to make sure that when they went out every day whether it was a practice or a game that they didn't have to worry about anything they were putting on that was always the rule like you wanted to make sure when they came in in the morning they were dialed in and they were ready for the day and it was like I remember I first got to the NHL, and I was like, like, wow. I remember I had this list where it was like Brent Sopel needed three Cokes in his locker, and every period he had to make sure, whether it was yourself or a room attendant, he wanted three Cokes in his locker before the game, and every period he had to use a new can of Coke, and it had to be ice that was crushed. It couldn't be cubed. And Rick (laughs) D.P., It was like, yeah,
2: yeah, Beyonce wants green M and M's in her dressing room before (laughs) every show. And it had,
0: and it had to be bottle uh... Fiji. It had to be Coke. So if you were in Washington and the Capitals put out Pepsi, you had to go across the street and find Mm -hmm. Coke. And it was Rick DiPietro before he played every game had to have nine pieces of double bubble gum in his locker, Hmm. whether he played or not, every game before. So let's say you had a busy day and you forgot to put the nine pieces of double bubble he, he would literally call your name from the locker room and I'd be like yeah Rick what's going on I, I don't have my gum you're sitting there going to yourself like you're you know and it was um taping his stick before every game you had to go around the knob 32 times with with uh, friction tape to make his knob perfect and make sure you pounded it after every 10 rolls, you had to pound it six times against the wall and tape his blade with friction tape. And Jason Blake, making sure he had a new pair of thin foot socks before every game, but you couldn't put them out when he walked in. He had to tell you when you were going to put them out. So you'd have to That's make crazy. sure you had the socks ready. And then after the game, he would take the foot socks off and he'd throw them in the trash. So we would go and pick them up, wash oh, them, man. and throw them back in for other people to use.
2: Any of our guys in in, in the locker room now have like crazy superstitions <laughs> like that?
0: No, not not really. It's 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 kind of like that's kind of leaving the yeah, game a little bit. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. It's yeah. it's kind of like it's kind of more you know fading fading away. But when I first started, it was it was prevalent. Like Yanni Ninema. New laces before oh, every game. I loved
1: game. Yanni Ninema. I was a big yeah. fan of Yanni. He was a good defenseman.
0: Man. Yanni Nenema before every fan. game, a new set of laces in his skates every afternoon. So you'd have to make sure that you know he had his new laces. And uh, then we uh, got Ryan Smith from the Edmonton Oilers.
1: Another big fan. No, yeah, love he, him too. <laughs> and, and Ryan Smith. We to meet these guys. Ryan Smith thing
0: was is he wore <laughs> the CCM skates with the uh, with the white. The white, like mm-hmm. the old tax, mm-hmm. they, they made them just for a handful of players. And he would use still the felt on the toes. He refused to use the plastic toe caps. So they would make the toe caps for him with the felt. And before every game, he'd have to tough-toe his skates. So he'd come off in the morning, we'd tough-toe his skates, because before every game, as he called it, he wanted his shoes to look shiny. So you'd have to tough toe skates before every game, home or away. Make sure you had tough toe in the trunk because nobody was using it anymore. Mm-hmm. But you'd make sure you had to have a can for Ryan Smith because he wanted tough toe on his skates.
1: How'd you keep this all straight? Did you make Oof. notes? or is Because some people might just be gifted. You, you do have a photographic yeah. memory. You are yeah. gifted with that. Yeah. But still, like some of this stuff, you had to have... Some yeah. sort of literature to keep
2: track of all in, this, right? In the right?
0: beginning, we, I had lists. And then as I went on and on, it just, you would start. Sure. you start
2: kind of remembering. Kind of remembering
0: yeah. that, you know, like I would go around the room. If we were at home with the Islanders, I'd go around the room. And the first thing I'd do is I'd make Rick's stick. And then Rick would have to have a stick left in a certain spot. And then um, if it was something for Garth on a game day, I would do that. And then I would just, I would work around the room. And you would just go to your next person mm-hmm. and your next person, like, you know, John Tavares had, we, uh, John Tavares had, uh, uh, a pair of, um, um, underwear bottoms that were like Joe Hicketts wore. They were the cotton and he would want an inner jock sewn on the inside so he could wear his cup on the inside of those pants. And then you'd have to put Velcro on the outside of the pants. So, that way, the socks would just... sock on, yeah. Yeah. So, he was the first guy that I ever dealt with that we had to make sure we had Velcro on all his game socks and practice socks because the socks would come up in Velcro. Mm -hmm. And those pants, you'd have to wash them with the game jerseys and make sure they air dried because they would shrink because they had the cup holder sewn on the inside. And then, you know, the cup would be uh, loose for him and with him it was like a new pair of skates every month religiously like at the end of the month beginning of the month so we had a bag for him on the road a coach's bag that would he would wear the CCM Pro gloves with the leather on the outside and then when he was done with a pair we used to get them repumped because he didn't want to break in new gloves so you always make sure you had um, a pair of skates and a coach's bag for him an extra pair of those pants in case god forbid those pants got Shrunk or something with the cup holder in them, a couple pairs of gloves. Um, we used to carry like a new helmet for him because back then he wore the resistance helmet, which is now the 710. So we had like literally a bag for him that was just his bag. Again, the captain
2: gets what he wants.
0: Yeah, he was the captain. And and then like when Doug Waite first came from St. Louis, he was using the Blackstone. And back then... Blackstone wasn't prevalent with the skate sharpeners. We used to literally carry a skate sharpener for Doug Waite because it was his. It was his personal skate sharpener. He had bought it, and we used to travel around. And back then, teams only traveled with one sharpener. And guys would be like, you got a Blackstone and you have a a Blademaster. It's for Doug Wade. Yeah. Well, okay, all right. If, you know, no God. more questions. He's yeah, no no really throwing his weight around. Yeah, no, yeah. More, que- no more questions. <laughs> Literally, yeah, yeah. he's yeah. throwing his weight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Shaky, we we haven't even scratched the surface, and we, we won't on all the duties that you do in the course of a day. Um, but the one thing that it didn't take me long to figure out. How hard you guys work, and how hard equipment managers work. I mean, it is remarkable, and it really it's an example setter for everybody else on the hot gap staff. Like you're the first one, you're there, you're the last one to leave. That's how you operate, and that's the example you set for your assistant equipment managers and on. There is a lot that this game takes from you. Yes. But what does it give back to you? Because all those hours, all that, yes, you're getting paid. It's a job. Yeah. But this is a labor of love. What does the game give back that makes all those hours, all those bus trips, all those times sitting in the airport waiting for a flight that got canceled, a new flight to come in, all of that, put it into one stew? Why does it, why does it give back, and why is, it this, why is it this type of a commitment from you that you can do so and you can do so with
0: love and uh, joy as I, you do it? I would have to say the team atmosphere. I would say being a being a part of it like and with the over the years usually you know some you have all different types of players right you have all different types of personalities, but I would have to say that you know i i did thirteen years in the n h l and we there were some years where you had some guys that weren't interacting as much with the trainers, and then we had years where guys were all interacting with the trainers, you know, trainers, uh, the older guys would always say, you know, trainers are part of it. They're a part of everything like, you know, and then like with this group now, I think in the American league, what I'd love to see is I'd love to just watch the guys grow, you know, into something like, and as they become more and more comfortable and as you can get a read on them more and more, and you know how they think, you know, that, when you're dealing with, um, Adam Beckman, for example, great guy, Nick Sweeney, they have certain things they want to do certain ways. Now you might want to present them with a change, but you have to know how to present them with that change. Hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like you, you can just say to them, you can say, you know what, Becky, like, I think you need to tweak this or you need to tweak that and he'll he'll be like ah you know I I don't know bro like I don't know and then he'll come back and he'll text you two hours later and he'll be like yeah you know what bro go ahead and do that you know so it's just like or he he's he'll work during the summer with a skating coach and he'll be like hey you know my skating coach wants me to do this this and this and he wants me to use this profile and and I know that you can't do that profile on your machine. Can you help? So guess what? You send escape blades out and you get them profiled the way. So it's just a, it's a matter of, I think, being a part of it. Do do I, when we lose, do I? Yeah, I, I, don't, like, I don't like to lose, like, winner, you know. But I think at the end of the day, it's just being a part of it that I really, I really like. And I, I like to still do the travel. I like mm-hmm. to go to different places. Have I missed a lot in my life of course yeah like uh you know um yeah I you know I I end up missing my wife's birthday every year that that always gets brought up to me I miss my mother-in-law's birthday I I miss my parents birthdays anniversaries etc and stuff and everything and but at the end of the day yeah I, I like the team atmosphere I like working you think about it like in my position I work with the the players just as much as I do with the front office Mm -hmm. yeah there's a lot of things that people don't realize like for example the the specialty jerseys or when we do the like helmet auctions or you know so there's interaction on both both sides you know and it's it's I like it I I think it's I think it's fun yeah I like it yeah do I Want to work back in the NHL? Yeah, of course, like mm-hmm. everybody does. Yeah, but we all do. I mean, yeah. Um, but, you know, I am getting to a point where my wife tells me I need to eventually grow up <laughs> and, and stop being a kid. Peter Pan. <laughs> I got to eventually grow yeah. up at some point. Um, but I'm going to try to chug out a few more years before I have to uh, grow up, you know.
2: My, my last question for you. Going back to the shaky nickname. Yes. Give me your, your top five milkshake. Fl- you can get milkshakes in all mm. different flavors. What are your top mm. five mm. milkshakes?
0: All right. So I love the uh, Oreo one at Johnny Rockets. Okay. Johnny Rockets. Wow. The, the, the other one I love at Johnny Rockets was the peanut butter one. like They used to do a Reese's peanut butter cup milkshake at Johnny Rockets. Is this an East Coast chain? Yeah, I've heard of it.
2: Yeah, I feel like I've seen it not in a, like, a shaky, bunch of random yeah. places. Yeah, yeah. But it's like a Johnny Rock. It's like, like, almost like 50s-style diner-type yes. place. Yeah. Sounds great. Yes. Yeah. Similar
0: to a Steak and Shake.
2: Okay. Very okay.
0: similar to a Steak and Shake. Now, if we're going to Texas or we're going out west, oh, in we an out Burger. Yeah, here we go. I Neapolitan. Knew that was coming. coming. knew that was coming. Yeah. Yeah. The Neapolitan's not on the menu, but you can ask for Neapolitan, which is the chocolate. in know, now it's got their whole, <laughs> this isn't on the menu, the menu. Yeah. yes. Yeah, you have the secret menu. And then another item that is not technically a shake but is one of my favorites is the Concrete Mixers from Culver's. And the go-to there is always the Butterfingers and the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup combo. That's, that's, that's my go-to. And then if I have to have one more in there, still to this day it's the Shamrock Shake at McDonald's. Tried good pick. And true. It's a good I, pick. I just don't like the little I don't like the cups they're served in right now, but uh, that's that's a losing battle. The
2: old reliable.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> the last thing for me, Shakey, yes. and it's part it's part question, part honestly, thank you. You're someone that in, in my coming up on now, this will be my fourth year with the team. Right away, you were one of the first people, and you do this with every new person that walks into the room. You're a shepherd in a lot of ways. You get people to feel comfortable in a brand new space and I'm curious because I'm just so grateful to have that and you've become a a friend as well as a colleague over the last four years and I'm very curious who were those people for you that maybe helped you get into the game that now you're as the elder statesman in a group that's been around pro hockey for so long you're doing the same thing to the new guard that's coming in here with Iowa.
0: Yeah so the, the, the first guy I ever worked with was Scott Moon who's a lifelong friend of mine and he he took me in he took me under his wing and he said to me because when i was younger i was always in the shell like i would i'd be afraid when i first started out i'd be afraid to walk across the locker room i'd be like i don't want to walk in front of these guys here in between mm-hmm. periods like so he said to me he said just just be yourself and you'll you'll never have a have a problem now there are some players that you can be yourself with and it just doesn't yep. work. Yep. There are, and there are, then there's other guys that you can be yourself with and you forge um lifelong friendships. Like I, I, I still talk to John Tavares. I still talk to Doug Wade. I still talk to Gar Snow, Mike Comrie. Um, you know all those all those guys. Billy obviously, and and knowing from Billy when I was younger, or I'll run into. Matt Rutke in Grand Rapids, or Dean Melcock, who played in Utica, who scouts for Vancouver. So, yeah, there are those people, but they always told me, they said, just, you know, you want it to be a, a welcome atmosphere. You don't want, and you see it more and more when the young guys come in every year. You see the young guys in the beginning, and they're afraid to ask you for something. Or And I always say to them, I say, listen, like, don't be afraid to ask. Like, we have it. You know, we'll give it to you. Like you have to ask for it. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't ask for it, I, I can't read you mind. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And they'll be like, Well, you know, like I'm a rookie. I'm like, I don't care. At the end of the day, like my job is to make sure you can go out and perform to the best of your ability. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's that's the way it goes. Like you just you yeah, so that's the whole thing. You want it to be a warm atmosphere. You want people to be relaxed, to be happy, and and it, and at first you you know you you have to feel people out. But I can tell you right now already, like the biggest kid in the candy store is going to be Ben Simon. <laughs> it, it's, it's it's just going to be like game on. Yeah. Which
1: which is so interesting to me. I was talking about this literally this this past weekend with a friend of mine asking about the changes and new coaches and, yeah. and Ben Simon when you when I looked at him on the bench for Grand Rapids yeah I saw a guy that I wouldn't want to get in his crosshairs he yeah. looks tough and he's a big guy and he yeah. has a glare and then you meet him at development camp and it's every other word's a joke. Yep. I mean, he's, he must just have a switch he can turn on and off because he looks scary when he's on the bench. <laughs> yes. But he's just the nicest, funniest guy when you meet him in person like that. You nailed it. Kid in the yeah. candy shop. He's, Absolutely. He's
0: going to be the kid in the candy store. <laughs> like I can guarantee Like he and I, there's going to be, I guarantee he's going to be in that equipment room a ton just going back and, back and forth. I, I'm looking forward to it. He's awesome. He's a great dude.
1: Well, Shaky, uh, like I said, a big thank you for me for uh, really helping me get comfortable when it was my time. And I speak for a lot of other people who have been in the same shoes that you have helped welcome into the locker room. Uh, Anything we missed that you wanted to get to today before we officially
0: uh, end our our wonderful journey here with you, Shaky? Uh, We'd have to split it into a (laughs) three-parter if we were going to go full out with it we'd have to we'd have to split it into a three or four parter. We could go for a couple of days. No. No. I mean nothing out of the ordinary. No. No. Just a lot of a lot of fun, a lot of good memories, you know. Winning a Calder Cup, great memory. Being on the ice when the Devils won the Stanley Cup in 95, great, great memory. Just, you know, I think the Devils shaped everything too. The Devils shaped all my You know, when people walk in and you see everything um, in the locker room and and, um, the way, as Joe Hicketts would say, you're very anal retentive. Well, that's because that came from the devils. It was always, hey, listen, like, this is the way it goes. Mm -hmm. I I remember um, somebody said to me one time, why do you – we were on the road somewhere, and they're like, why are you folding – the equipment bags to go underneath the seat might have been in San Diego. And I'm, they're like, we're just going to pick them up tomorrow anyway. Because when I was younger, that's the way we were taught. We were taught we folded the bags. You had a three-fold way to do it. And we used to always say, like in Utica, like, you know, I remember as a kid, uh, Herb Brooks, Robbie Fitorik, and even Lou, back when they were all there, they would flip the stalls to see if you folded the bags. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Like it was – that was part of it you know uh that was the whole thing like you know they would check your storerooms they would look like Robbie was Robbie really was one of those people he'd spend a lot of time at the rink walk around with his skates on all day and he would always uh he'd always be watching so I think that's where a lot of that morphs from as well well Shaky
1: this has been as good as we anticipated it to be and we put this pretty high on the pedestal mm-hmm. of, of what we expected this chat yes. to be like yes. thanks a million B-Row.
0: no thanks bro and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's the game you know what marquise that's the shoot bro right <laughs> there
1: A huge thanks to Shaky uh, for giving us a ton of his time there at the end of the workday, no less. Yep. Uh, and that guy's, although
2: as we talked about in that he's, podcast, his workday, he is, is not. he's like the first one here. He's the last one to leave. Yeah. I he's. I mean, it's sports. Everybody's got weird hours, but he there is no normal schedule for for the equipment staff whatsoever. He is
1: the epitome of what working in sports is like. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, he gets an off season. Um, not that he just goes and, and, and mills around and does nothing. He's getting ready for the next season. But th- that's the one thing with hockey ops. You, you do really, really, really go from October, well, September, really, when those development er, – uh, or prospect camps start. do you argue now? Yeah, true. You really do go. And then so when the season stops, hockey ops has a little more of a breath than, say, the front office yeah. does. But maybe the front office is – Able to be at home on the weekends, so it all kind of evens out in a weird yep. way. But Shaky's example is the most hard-driving, no sleep, find a way to get through it. And 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 the one thing that really came out to me in that discussion with Shaky is he's a problem solver. That's what he is. Um, whether it is is equipment based or whether it's locker room based or. Uh, he's helped me solve some problems travel-wise just because of his experience. And he knows airports and he knows places that you could connect out of. I mean, he really, he's a complete jack-of-all-trades type guy. And you just, you can't put a value on a guy like that and what he brings every day into the locker room. And as people can clearly tell now, there's nobody better at a great-timed joke or making light of something Mm -hmm. to take you out of a bad situation Mm -hmm. whether it has to do with a loss or anything else he can lighten the mood better than anybody can um so it was really really fun to have him on and i know he listens to the show and i know he is a fan of the show and i know he wanted to be on the show and he he told crash yes yes and he was really excited to be on the show today and that was really cool for us
2: it's the it's i mean the the saying goes if you if you love what you do you never work a day in your life and he's not coming in to work because he truly loves it you know and i think for me, the, the, the biggest takeaway I have and, and have working in hockey for as long as I have and work with some good equipment managers along the way, um, but the 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 line he said about like, it's their goal is, it, what he was always taught is making sure that when they come in and whenever they're putting on their equipment, they have nothing to worry about, that the goal for them is to, it, the players should come in. The only thing they should have to focus on is what happens on the ice, not do my skates fit? What what do I need? So you know, this isn't working. I need to have this fix. Like if they can keep guys from thinking about that stuff, then they're doing a good job. And and I've seen him bend over backwards for guys yeah. and and just equipment managers as a whole, the, the equipment staff, um, being able to do that. And that's something that definitely rings true with everybody. So that was a cool little, I think, takeaway for me to just kind of hear that. And it's kinda like it's whether they talk about it or whatnot, it's kind of just like an unknown like an unwritten rule basically for that the equipment staff in that world where it's not about it's it's as long if they if get the guys onto the ice and all they need to focus on is hockey that's the goal.
1: They are the most unsung heroes in hockey. Mm-hmm. There is no refuting that they don't get much pub much much praise, much applause, but when you get into the room they're extremely important and the players know that and the players if ever I have heard stories, and I haven't heard it with Shaky, but if ever I've heard stories of younger guys treating equipment managers the wrong way, I have seen older guys stop that. that It's it's very serious. It's very serious. Those guys and gals that do equipment managing in, in hockey they have an immense amount of respect from the players. There is a partnership and a camaraderie there that I'll never understand, you'll never understand, no. but it's very tight, and they take care of the equipment managers because they deserve it. Yeah, and, they and, deserve and you it.
2: lean on, the, like, the our players lean on the equipment staff for so much. It's kind of like when you're, you know, the old adage, like when you're at a restaurant, don't mess with the people who serve you your food. Like, don't mess <laughs> yeah, with the, yeah. the people who get you on the ice every day because mm-hmm. you, you get on equipment staff's bad side, granted they're all going to be professional they're never going to do anything to sabotage you but they can certainly make life a lot more difficult for yeah. you if you're not giving them a the time maybe not of bend day. over backwards yeah. quite as much to no, help you. they yeah. certainly won't be as flexible to help you out so um yeah I, it was it was a great conversation and I wish we could have had him on longer we'll definitely bring him back soon cuz there's just i mean we just i would say we just got to the tip of the iceberg with him in terms of stories but I don't even know that we got to the tip of the iceberg with him because no. there are so Many stories. We got to the iceberg next to the
1: iceberg that we wanted to get to the tip of. We were still not even to that iceberg yet. We
2: might still be (laughs) driving or or sailing (laughs) to that first iceberg. How long can we continue this analogy? Yeah, I don't (laughs) (laughs) Uh, know. Promo promo schedules, we
1: we, we brought it up early in the show and wanted to get to it because... All the, the big ones are back, Pink in the Rink's back, Military Appreciation Night, all the ones that everybody looks forward to. But there's some others that have that have come in as well. Um, some bigger ones, some smaller ones, maybe some tri- almost like trial ones where we're going to see how they fare and could be turned into bigger nights later on throughout the course of, of the Iowa Wild history. But yeah. let, let's get to the promo nights. You and your staff work feverishly on this. It's such an interesting process too. I think maybe that would be something that I would be intrigued to hear more about is the the actual process is so interesting because it's literally just throwing stuff at a wall, yeah. quite literally when you have the big the big brainstorming meeting during the middle of the season.
2: Yeah, it's it's a process. Um it's kind of an exhausting one, honestly. <laughs> but yeah, towards the end of the season and you, what we do is we get everybody in a room and it's all right, let's talk theme nights. Everybody throws a billion ideas. All right, let's talk specialty jerseys. A billion ideas. Giveaways. A billion ideas. And you kind of go down the list. Ticket packages, group initiatives, community things, season ticket holder events, all these different things. Um, So we get everybody included. Merch ideas. Um, We get all those ideas. And then as a marketing group, we try to shrink them down a little bit. All right, we've got what are the things we can build out and make a robust theme night with. And then it starts to become a puzzle. Where does this giveaway fit? Where does a Steam Night fit? And you kind of just you pull a bunch of pieces together until the schedule comes out. Schedule comes out, then you then it turns into a big jigsaw puzzle. You, I got a big Excel doc, which if you come into my office, you can see it's all on the wall. Big Excel doc with all the dates on it, and you start plotting and what makes sense where. You know, Hockey Fights Cancer Month is in November. Well, We got to make sure we find a date in November for that. And pucks and paws games need to be on a Sunday, so we're finding a Sunday that works and. Um, you know, where do your 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 giveaways? You try to stick them on Saturdays, your your peak on peak games and there's just so many things and does this giveaway tie into a potential theme night? If so, what theme night does that go with? So there's just a lot of different moving pieces and then we get to this early August time, we're like, All right, we're gonna roll this out, we're ready to go. Well, spoiler alert, in a couple weeks we're probably rolling out another small yeah, batch of promos yeah. like we're not done. not all out there there's yet. just a lot of things a lot of moving pieces that that we still work to to get approvals on and you know some of the things we haven't rolled out yet it's it's for licensing reasons one way or yeah. another and and if that falls through we need to have a backup somewhere else for something so there's a couple different things that we haven't announced yet that we're we're hoping to announce really soon but we, with the things we have announced there's a lot of fun and exciting things um like you said a lot of the pink in the rinks obviously a a big night for us you know a post-game concert again is something that will roll out you know in the next couple months um so that's something that's we're still working on currently but um you know i mean i'm looking through it now a lot Mm -hmm. of things that people are used to right so you've got your school day game which i know is one of our favorites to have all the kids screaming in in the building that day Put my
1: second set of earplugs in under my headphones so you don't get the shrill yep i learned yep, that I'm, i was
2: on the glass last year and it's just oh, it's it was loud. just re- reverberates oh. um but our, you know teddy bear toss night that's coming back we're doing a w- whole winter wonderland weekend where instead of just one game dedicated to the holidays we're going to just make the whole weekend out of it so um you know one night you know you could have santa claus here another night maybe it's themed for a christmas movie right a little a little tease uh, that hopefully. I saw your we'll eyes light out. up there because um, he has one in mind. One, yes, in mind. he does. <laughs> we do have one in mind. We're working <laughs> on it. Just getting the rights. Uh, New Year's Eve with the postgame fireworks was massive for us last year. That that whole stretch we had it was a Wednesday Friday last year. I think it's a Thursday Saturday this year. So it's like right over uh the winter break for kids. Right right in basically the thick of it. Um, we had great crowds. That was right when we started. That was the Colorado series right as we really that started our, our big run it's one of my favorite goals of the, of the
1: season Nick Patan about seven minutes to go in the yeah. third period extra attacker as a goalie was pulled for a delayed
2: penalty comes mm-hmm. off the bench and just blows
1: one by yeah. on and then it was awesome so I vividly po- remember that
2: goal the postgame fireworks is great um, local heroes night that's always a fan favorite we work with you know police and fire departments in the area the EMTs, but anybody who's really a hero and deserves that recognition comes out here our bobbleheads, which are, are effing spectacular. Um, <laughs> Can't say it any other way. Yeah, yeah <laughs> they're, they're awesome. Um, we have – soon enough, the artwork will start to trickle out on the website. Um, but it's an Adam Beckman bobblehead. It's a Jesper wallstep bobblehead. And they're – it's just – for me, like I think of Adam Beckman, I think, there's, I think of one image every time I think of him. So we turn it into a bobblehead. When I think mm-hmm. of Jesper, I think about him scoring his goal – the way he he interacts with the crowd after games, that was immediately what we thought of, and putting him onto a bobblehead. So those two bobbleheads are going to be great. Um, military appreciation night again, always a huge fan favorite. Pink in the rink, one of the biggest games of the year for us every year. We're doing a full kids takeover weekend where we're kind of combining Crash's birthday and kids takeover day into one weekend in March rather than splitting them up. Pride night's coming back. Uh, we've got our ALS night with uh, we're going to wear black. Specialty jerseys. I'm really excited for that. Black, one. We want encouraging. Yeah. It's a it's a blackout night. Wear black clothing mm-hmm. to really, you know, set that cool atmosphere. So our blackout ALS night. Which the jerseys are. I, I, you've seen them. I, I think. haven't if You them. haven't seen them yet. Mm-hmm. Um, they are. We get another live reaction from yeah, the get a live the, reaction. On the video side it, of the podcast here. They're they're very cool. Oh, you got to those fast. Um oh, wow. they're very cool. Something different, something we haven't done in a long time. Yeah. Or really ever. And a nice um, Iowa tie in there nice, as well. Yep. Nice Iowa yep. tie in. So very it's, well done. It's those it's pretty great. cool. People are gonna, I think, go crazy for those. So we'll obviously roll those out closer to that game. Um so that that's obviously a huge one for us. Then we've got uh, you know, fan appreciation night. We're bringing Hawkeye night back again. We mm-hmm. did that last year. We're hoping to continue to expand on that, and you know, all things, you know, University of Iowa, uh, and then we've got a couple newer ones in the mix as well. You know, we we're doing a, an election uh, Iowa Wild election day. These in are, are all int-
1: really interesting to me too. These all of them in their own way. Yeah. I'm really excited to see what they look like. I yeah. really all of them for different reasons. I'm excited to see how these will play out. Because I think a, that they're they're awesome steps to take and and interesting hooks. Yeah. Right. And they're new they're new. They're they they seem a lot su- pretty original too, mm-hmm. which I
2: like. Yeah. So we're doing a big we're calling it an open house basically on on Wednesday. So I guess tomorrow if we're putting this out this week, but um where we're I'm just gonna have everybody on staff at some point, you know, take a couple minutes, roll through this conference room and just Whatever ideas you can think of mm-hmm. for these theme nights, put them on a sticky note, put them with each theme night, and then we're going to start to compile, figure out what can be executed. So the the Iowa election night um, is, is, right, it's, it's Sunday, November 5th. The election is November 7th um, to kind of figure out who, you know, your presidential candidates are and everything mm-hmm. like that. Um, we're going to have fun with the election night here. Um, gonna ta- we're going to take politics completely out of it. Um, and we're just gonna have fun. It's really family-driven, kid-driven. Um, where we're gonna have different th- polling stations, you could say, around the concourse. You know, uh, who's got the best hair on the team? Who's got the best beard? Are you a hot dog or a popcorn person? You know, are you a Coke or a Pepsi? whatever it may be? Just different areas, really, for for kids-driven. We'll have an area too where it's, you know, the questions: What what should Crash do in the third period? Is it should he throw T-shirts? Should he dump popcorn on somebody? You know, should he? whatever we'll think of a couple different things and and kids will go around they'll vote they'll fill out a little card and when they're done voting they turn in their card at fan relations or whatever it is and they'll get a wild you know i voted sticker um just to to kind of promote that upcoming piece and then whatever the thing is that we voted on for crash he'll do in the third (laughs) period at some point um so tbd on what that looks like um the other the other really big one I think that that's different is our women in sports night mm-hmm. um, which is honestly it's something we've talked about for the last couple of years um, having capital orthopedics behind it this year sponsoring it is is really the driving force behind getting it off the ground um, and we're still trying to figure out what the night's really all going to consist of but I know you've talked a little bit about it we're going to get some female voices on the broadcast like um, that's that's w- there's I got options there yeah, it's i got a lot options of, there it's going to be yep. a lot of recognition mm-hmm. Throughout the game, Um, but I think the the coolest piece behind it is pregame, we're going to do a women in sports panel. Terrific. Um, TBD on who's going to moderate that, but we're hoping to pull some, whether it's people in our organization, people at at Drake, Iowa, Iowa State, people working for the Cubs or the Barnstormers or or the Wolves, just Mm -hmm. different uh, women in different positions at different levels across different organizations and sports just to kind of hear from them, you know, what, how they got to where they are, just all the, we, we, at the AHL meetings in Tucson, there was a whole women in sports panel that, that every, all attendees kind of sat in on. It was really cool just hearing how everybody got to where they're at, who've been mentors for them along the way, um, challenges that they've faced, like Mm -hmm. everything from top to bottom. So that's something we're really, really excited about. um, And I'm excited to see how that, uh, how that gets built out uh, along the way. And then the, I guess the last um, kind of newer one is a sensory awareness night, which I don't, we don't know how it's going to go. We're giving it a shot. Just, you know, decrease the volume of the music. Um, maybe no goal horn. Which will change my goal call. Tell Crash. Think about that. Tell Crash. Think about that. To, to not bang on the drum. Just different <laughs> different things where to to help desensitize the atmosphere a little bit. So, you know we're targeting groups with mm-hmm. you know really your your autistic groups who who or autistic organizations who, who work with autistic kids and students where we want them to be able to enjoy a hockey game and be comfortable here while they do it um so what does that look like we've talked about turning some of the locker rooms down here into larger sensory rooms basically because we've got a couple around on the concourse but they're not all that big but if we can get you know a room down here where there's a tv in here where yes it's still c- connected they can watch the game but you know, just some other things for them to be able to relax. Because during game day, it is quiet down here. You, unless the goal horn goes off, you really can't hear anything. So um, we talked about doing that. So that that's those are really the three big new ones. And then, like I said, in the next couple of weeks, we're hoping to roll out some some other theme nights. Two of which, hopefully, um, are also new that we haven't really done before, to my knowledge. And one that would be a returning one that is a huge fan favorite, which you, we were looking at the jerseys earlier. Could be really cool, so I uh, just got to get some approval on some different things. But.
1: It is a very robust promotional
2: schedule. Yeah, Congratulations when I, when I told, on it. When I told uh, Todd Fredrickson we were going through things, and I was like, yeah, we've got this many theme nights and this many giveaways, he was like, how many? <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of had to he did like a double take. It's a lot. There's, I mean, I think all things considered, it's like 13 or 14 giveaways potentially. It's, it's pretty big, so um, – But we want people to have fun when they're here, and and we we think we're going to do that.
1: Well, we had fun today. Uh, A big thank you to Richard Shaky Krause, for coming on board and sharing some wonderful tidbits, stories, jokes, movie quotes with us, uh, as well as Jeremy Core with Executive Podcast Solutions for making this podcast available. However you're tuning in, if you're listening to it, also on the video side, Marquise Jones for editing. Any final thoughts, Joey, before we put a pin in episode 23? No. I knew yeah. you were going to do that. The minute you took a big pause, I said there's nothing. He's got nothing nope, here. No, I
2: can't think of anything uh can't think of anything pressing
1: for Joey Goldstein I'm Ben Gislison thanks so much for joining us and tuning in and as always two honks for the win